G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway Podcast, the podcast that's all about intermittent fasting. I'm your host, Graham Curry from Perth, Australia. I lost 60 kilograms or 132 pounds living an intermittent fasting lifestyle and have successfully maintained that weight loss. I'm also the author of the Amazon category best-selling book, The Fasting Highway, which will give you a great insight into what it's actually like to live it day to day, how to get started, what it's about, what are some of the health benefits that come from it, and how to turn it into a successful long-term lifestyle. In this series of podcasts, you'll be hearing from people from all over the world, from the beginners to the experienced and those that are on the journey. You'll also be hearing from some leaders in the intermittent fasting community, and you'll also be hearing from some past guests as we recheck in to see how they've been going. And thank you for joining us here on the Fasting Highway. Enjoy the show. G'day, and welcome to the Fasting Highway podcast. And this is episode 187, brought to you by our Patreon members community. And a big shout out to our U members this week and Gillian, Marie, Tracy, Brian, Julia, Katie, Casey, Sharon, Dave, Irene, Carl, Catherine, Wendy, Delilah and Claire. Thank you to all our U members this week and thank you to every member of the Patreon community. You're making a huge difference in a lot of lives, including some of your own. If you'd like to join our Patreon community, support the podcast and get some of the great benefits back that our Patreon members receive, You'll find the link there in the show notes, or you can go to www.patreon.com forward slash the fasting highway. Okay, let's get on with today's show, and I'm going to be speaking with Lisa Jasunas. And Lisa was on the podcast way back in episode 59, 4th of April 2021. For those of you that like to go back to listen to the original episode uh, before our catch up episodes. And Lisa's had an amazing journey so far over the last three and a half years with intermittent fasting was she's released some 145 pounds or around 65 kilos. And Lisa says that she's a chaos coordinator, as she describes herself, and she's juggling a busy phase of life. But I'm not going to spoil her story any further. I want her to tell it. So here she is, the amazing Lisa Jasunas. Oh, g'day, Lisa, and welcome to the Fasting Highway, and thank you for joining me today. Hi, Graham. Thank you so much for having me again. Yes, welcome back. And uh, anybody out there that's listened to Lisa's inspiring story, as we touched on in the opening intro there, we can go back to episode 59 on the 4th of April, 2021. Wow, some time ago, Lisa. It's been a, a long journey, Graham. I'm so happy to still be here and living the intermittent fasting lifestyle. Yeah, so the last time we spoke, you were about just over a year into it there. And I know now you're up to three and a half years living this lifestyle since we spoke. So what we might do is just go back to episode 59 and just give us a quick recap of how you got into all of this in the first place. And then we'll wind through what's been happening from there. Sure, for sure. All right. So most of you know, if you've heard my story that, um, you know, over the years, I've learned that you can turn obstacles into opportunities you know, when your own story doesn't inspire you, you're the author and you can choose to rewrite it. I had decades of internalized pain and it led me to a lifelong uh, relationship that was really unhealthy with food and disordered eating. And weight loss basically felt like it was a lifelong impossible feat. I had 
done Weight Watchers. I think I was in middle school or early high school and I had tried all the diets, the weight loss pills and nothing was working. And I had become a gym junkie. I worked out six days a week and I still was gaining weight. Um, but everything seemed so small once my son passed away in 2010. And uh, I had to learn to continue my life even through such a tragedy. So I uh, was blessed with another son in 2011. And again, while I was experiencing this, that's pretty much where we, we, we are. I, uh, I started clean fasting in October 2019 and haven't looked back. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. I love what you said then about you can choose to rewrite your own story and retrain myself. I love that. Absolutely love that because that's so true. We can choose to rewrite our own story, no matter how bad that story may have been in the past. And I know, Lisa, your high weight was pretty up there. So just for the listeners out there, what weight did you get up to? And where are you now some three and a half years later since you started? Sure. So uh, when we first talked in April of 2021, um, uh, my highest weight was 326 pounds. I am 5'8 for reference. And uh, when we last chatted, I had lost 132 pounds. And my body changed a lot. Um, but I went on to lose like 145 pounds by the summer of 2022. And a lot's changed since then, Graham. Um, I successfully have completed two 10Ks. My body has moved in ways that I never imagined that it would before. I have embraced the fact that my body is moving in such a way that um, I like I said, I, I just never imagined I would be able to run one 10K, let alone two. But in the midst of that, in it took so much discipline. It took so much discipline to commit to myself that I was going to be a priority while I was running this life of raising children, being a wife. I am very career driven and I still had to make time to carve out for myself. So I was training for these 10Ks and unfortunately along the way, I re-injured a back injury that I had from 2010 and I had major back surgery in 20, uh, 2012. So I re-injured my back and I was still being active and I was still training. I ran my second 10K, but it over the course of the last few years, I had to give up um, running completely, sadly. It's just something that my body, my back cannot handle anymore. And I had to shift my mindset because it's really hard when you get used to doing something and you're so successful at it. It's how I was, you know, significantly losing a lot of weight is that I went from no exercise to over time. I didn't start exercising until about a year or a, yeah, a year into my intermittent fasting journey. I then had to shift my mindset that what I was doing wasn't going to work for me anymore. So I was able to join a, a hot sauna gym and I'm still a part of it. I actually joined uh, last December. So I've been doing it for eight months and I focused a lot on um, core strength, 
the yoga, the body, body strength. I do some hit classes, cycling, uh, water rowing and things of that nature. So it was just a really big mindset change when you get used to something and you see those successes, you're hoping to continue them forever. But it's just a really good reminder that life changes and it's okay. We just have to shift with it. And we have to be our own commitment to ourselves to give ourselves that discipline. And intermittent fasting gave me that foundation of control because not only was I able to reap the benefits of physical health, but I was able to become mentally stronger and that's in so many areas of life. And that was just, um, it gave me so much perseverance. You know, there's been a lot of changes over not just my life, but the last three and a half years. Um, and when you lose that much weight, it, it really changes you. So I toggle between those same 15 pounds up and down with whatever is happening, the stressors of life or things of that nature. And I think, think I still have between 30 and 40 pounds more to lose, but I honestly don't care if it takes me another five years to get there, Graham, because it's such a journey and I'm so proud of the commitment that I have given to not just myself, but my family and my friends and the ability to be there for others. I was not able to be there before. And that's, that itself has been wonderful over the last few years. Yeah, absolutely amazing. I just wanted to pause too and recognize the fact that you lost your son there in 2010. What was your son's name, Lisa? His name was Jacob. Jacob. Well, we remember Jacob, but I know he's up there looking down at mum and super proud of you. And I can't Thank imagine you, how proud that all your family are of you. And yeah, we just wanted to remember Jacob and that's important, but so this life-changing journey of yours, I mean, wow, just wow, 326 pounds high, 150 plus kilos. That is unbelievable. You're out running 10K races. What was going through your mind when you ran that first 10K? When you crossed that finish line and going through everything that you've gone through, you just described, and then you're able to do something like that, where that was only a pipe dream for you, what was that like? I was so emotional, Graham. My body just never moved that way before. I struggled getting down on the ground with my son. Part of the whole reason, well, the whole reason that I wanted to commit to getting my life back was that when it was the 10 year death anniversary of my son, Jacob, and my husband asked me, he was like, what do you want to do? This is a really big deal. Like, how do you want to celebrate? And I was like, well, I want to plant a tree or whatnot. And maybe I'll just commit to getting my life back. And he looked at me, he was like, your life back. I was like, yeah, my health back. Like I have to be here for my friends and family. I have to be here for myself. Like I am not going to be around forever if I don't make a change. And little did I know that, you know, insulin has such a, connect, a connection to obesity. And I didn't know that I was like, trying everything in my power to lose weight, but it ultimately it, I didn't have the right tools in my toolbox to do it. And so when I crossed that finish line, Graham, I was so emotional. I cried during the race. I cried when I finished the race. I cried weeks after the race. I was so proud of myself. I didn't even realize that I was capable, even after losing that much weight, 
I didn't even realize that I was capable of pushing myself even further. And then it was so exciting because I ran my second 10K a year later and uh, I shaved over a minute a mile off of my race. And that was um, with an injured back and barely training because of my injury. And that just goes to show you that intermittent fasting it can ground you in ways and give you a strength from the inside out that you don't even know that you're capable of. And that feeds into so many areas of your life when you commit to yourself and you realize that discipline is not just required for fasting, but for overall health. And when we put boundaries around food, and what is important to us and set those boundaries, it's going to feed into friendships, work schedules, who empties your bucket, who fills your bucket. It is just a profound way of living. And I just think weight loss is a positive. Really the ultimate gains are so much more than weight loss. If I don't lose another pound in my entire life, I will have gained so much mentally and spiritually from this journey that I will, I will continue fasting till the day I die. Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? After all that you've achieved, it's amazing. But I know people want going to want the details, right? So let's just strip it back. First off, we'll talk about protocols that you've done with intermittent fasting. Some of the things you tried, where you found your sweet spot. And let's talk about your eating window as well, why you're doing that. And if your food tastes have changed, whether you've been eating all the things, whether you were delaying things, how you worked out what your triggers were, and just sort of how that's developed over the last three and a half years. So people can get a picture of sort of what sort of food you're eating and various protocols and what you found worked for your body the best. So in the beginning, it was really important to me that I like uh, tried to deter from any diety uh, mindset. So I didn't want to track anything. I didn't want to log my food. I didn't want to focus on calories because as we know, that's just not even remotely how this works. Um, but I, I um, started off and I just started slow. And it is true when you just tweak it until it's easy. I'm a firm believer of that. I started slow, but fasting came relatively easy to me. And when I say that, I say that I started with 16 hours. I went to 18 hours. I went to 20 hours. And I finally found that because of my extreme insulin resistance, I needed to focus on my eating window, not necessarily my fasting hours. So it quickly came to the realization that I needed to be eating in like less than three hours to be losing weight. And I was actually really encouraged by your journey, Graham, because knowing that you just ate your OMAD in your one hour and, um, you know, the 23 in one lifestyle, I uh, was like, I can do that because I can eat a mighty large plate of food and get my uh, eat to satiety and get my nutrients and move on about my day and then fast till the next day. But it was about... You know, I don't even remember because it's been so long now. I should have written it down. But I think it was like six months into my journey that I started dabbling in the mealist days. So like mealist Monday. And I did the full fasts because I have um, an issue with moderation and portion control. 
And so I did the full fast for down days and I cycled with alternate day fasting and I would do it for about three months and then take a break because I just recognized that my body needed a pause and it needed a change. And that's one thing that I've been very like strict about my whole, um, fasting journey is that I change things up. I think it's really important to keep my body guessing with my insulin resistance. So I would go from ADF and then I would do like lunch one day and then dinner the next. So I would do like the, um, it would kind of like sway. I do like 16 hours and then 30 hours and then 18 hours and then 30 hours. Or some days I would just have one OMAD meal. Um, I don't do well when I eat two meals a day, uh, because in, when I'm not following ADF. So those weekend days that I would just want to extend my window, because like I mentioned, I really struggle with portion control and moderation. So I could open my window. I could have a meal at lunch and a meal at dinner, but I would find myself snacking in between there or snacking later on in the window creep. And as we know, our whole goal of fasting is to keep our insulin low. And by snacking, we're not doing that. So I was overfeeding my body for its needs. So I'd go back to alternate day fasting because I truly loved the full down day. And I have done alternate day fasting for over half of my journey now. It wasn't until the second year of my journey with intermittent fasting that I was able to try a modified down day. And that modified down day, meaning that I had a 500 calorie meal, uh, almost always nutrient dense, but I would have that meal in 15 minutes or 30 minutes or less uh, to keep my insulin low. It would technically break my fast. But um, I never tried that before because I was very nervous uh, that I would just open my window and purge. So I managed to successfully um, break that uh, mindset and I was able to master the 500 day calorie uh, down day, which really helped with my sleeping. So the one of the benefits of alternate day fasting is you're like extreme amounts of energy. And while they can be wonderful, they also cannot because they impact your sleep. And sleep is something so important for our wellness journey. It helps with insulin, it helps with our stress levels, and it all impacts weight. So and health. Um, so here recently, I have been trying to uh, just maybe do one or two mealless days and focus more on, <coughs> excuse me, more on an OMAD schedule because I'm really trying to work on my food intake, not for any specific reason other than I just know that my body needs a change. And I'm trying to get more protein in because my um, vitamin D levels have been low and it's, it comes naturally in my family. It's just kind of hereditary, but I'm trying to focus more on protein. And I find that when I am having more updates throughout the week, that I'm a little bit more um, lax with my food intake. So if I focus on that OMAD, I can really focus on the nutrient dense um, meal choices. And that's another thing you asked about is what, what do I eat? 
So it took me a long time, and I know I talked about this in the last podcast, but it took me a really long time to, um, number one, get in tune with my satiety signals. So I was not able to even hear when I was hungry or when I was full because I could not reverse decades of terrible habits. I had fed myself from sunup to sundown and past then, um, and I was not in tune with those signals. So once I finally got in tune with my signals, I, I never changed anything. What I ate, if I craved ice cream, if I craved, um, you know, a ribeye the size of my entire plate, whatever it was, I just ate what my body was wanting. And over time, I naturally went to, un I don't eat processed foods anymore. It's very rare that I will indulge in something that's processed. I shopped outside of the store, not just for me, but for my whole family, um, stick to the fresh aisle. I really crave vegetables, raw vegetables, Brussels sprouts, things of that nature. And it just comes naturally now. And I couldn't have said that before. And I don't know how to explain it, but all of us fasters generally have the you know same consensus that over time, you're your taste buds just change and your cravings for those ultra processed foods, they just go away because when you start eating those nutrient dense foods, you lose those cravings for all of those foods that are maybe not as good for yourself. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's like you're listening to myself talk because I agree with everything that you're saying about that. And I think our tastes do change over time. And we hear that time and time again, because I think what happens Lisa is we, we go through that clean fast and then we get to our eating window and you, you say to yourself, well, you know what? I've just clean fasted all day. I've got to make a choice here. Am I going to give myself some nutrient dense foods that you're talking about whole foods, or am I going to go down and get five guys and whatever it may be? Right. So yeah. that's a, that's a choice we make. And sometimes yeah. that's an okay choice to make now and again, but when you're doing that all the time and you're defeating the purpose of your clean fast, and then we often hear people talking in the groups about, that they're struggling to get going. They can't work it out. They're eating past that point of satiety when in their eating windows and it becomes an issue for them. So I think food plays a huge part. And I think what I like to say, and you've heard me say it many times in this podcast, eat what makes me feel my greatest. And that's my mindset because when yeah. I eat something that doesn't make me feel great, might make me feel great at the time, but then I'll go to bed or roll around. I can't sleep. You know, I just say to myself, that food is not worthy of me eating. So after a while, I think we just develop that set of foods, don't we? Yeah, I agree. And I always say to myself and to everybody else, like you need to eat towards your goals. Like, yes, you can eat what you want, but is that eating towards your goals? Because if you're still trying to achieve a you know, a state of wellness, like that's not going to be feeding ourselves Taco Bell or, you know, some sort of fast food, because that's not what our body is going to get healthy on. It's not what our, is going to make our brain sharp. It's not going to what's going to keep us, you know, mental clarity. We, we have to feed ourselves to whatever goals we want to achieve. Yeah, I agree. You know, my beautiful forever girl, she travels a lot for business, Lisa, and I have to learn how to cook when she's away. Yeah. And I'm not, I was never a great cook. Like, you know, it was easy for me when I was obese. Hey, drive through city, you know, four days a week, no problem. 
But then all of a sudden, when I'm living this journey and my wife's traveling overseas, I've got to cook myself. And I, I make it a real effort. And I like to do it quickly. So I use things like my air fryer and I prepare things rather quickly. And you can prepare a really great meal in 15, 20 minutes. You know, yeah. you can prepare a meal quicker than what it takes to ring up Uber Eats or go down and get takeout. And that's a simple fact of life. And if you've got the right stuff in your fridge and your freezer to be able to do that, that's part of the battle and having that stuff yeah. on hand. And it makes it so much easier. And if, if you sort of, for your family, you mentioned there that you shop for your family around the outside. So this journey has been beneficial for your family as well, do you feel? Oh my goodness, absolutely. So we are really, really busy. And we are always bouncing between ballparks and things of that nature. And I'm always carrying a cooler. I feel like everybody, um, it, you know, jokes with my son because everybody's going to the concession stands or things like that. And here comes mom and I'm bringing my cooler because I've got our family prepped for, you know, their little picnic that we're going to have just because feeding my family healthy foods is just important to me as feeding myself healthy foods. And one of the biggest wins, Graham, over the last few years, my son is, he'll be 12 next month. And his go-to if he eats breakfast, because he is very developed, he is much more mature than the average group and his body is, has grown at a very fast rate. He's very tall and I don't, our family doesn't snack. So I don't press snacks. If you're hungry, we can talk about what you want to eat, whatever like comes to mind. And we'll talk about, you know, what you, what do you want me to make? But my son will wake up and if he wants to get going and doesn't need me to do anything, he's either asking if he can make himself poached eggs or if he can make himself a yogurt bowl. And you know what? That is like the biggest achievement to me, because if he's going to sit down and put a like full fledged Greek yogurt in his bowl with some fruit on it, my heart is jumping for joy on the inside because he has watched me make these lifestyle changes and he is wanting to make healthy changes and his own taste buds are so well developed at such a young age, just because he's giving his body nutrient dense foods. And that's so important to me. Yeah. Hey, come on, mom. I'm at the ball game. Go give me a hot dog. I know. We, we, it's balanced with the kids eat hot dogs too, but <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I mean, your example, obviously, he's seen that. And, you know, he's 12 years old, but he looks at you and he goes, you know, my mom looks great. And he's seen that development in you over the last sort of three and a half years. And so yeah. he's obviously formed these healthy habits. And what you're doing for them is fantastic by bringing that good food back into the house. Because the slippery slope is when we bring the rubbish food back in the house. So we all know that. I mean, anybody that's been heavy, I mean, if I drilled down and I said to you, okay, let's take the PCOS out of the equation for a minute. If I drilled down and said to you, what was your life like when you were that weight? Would you say that you were eating poorly? Did you have issues around just binging, eating whatever you wanted, all the wrong foods? You had no sort of idea about nutrition. Would that be fair to say? Because when I interview people that have been very heavy, when I really get down and dirty with them and I say, listen, let's drill down into this and let's go back to your past when you got to that high weight. And I know you might've had medical issues and people do have medical issues as you pointed out, but sometimes we led a really poor life of nutrition. Mine, mine was definitely a mixture. I'm not going to sit here and say that I ate perfect. I've always had a taste for good foods, but my 
my problem has always been portion control and moderation. And, you know, those ultra processed foods that we have fed ourselves for so long, those bags of Doritos that have a taste that we can't seem to get away from at times, those are the types of foods that are highly addictive. And the more we eat them, the more we crave them. And those flavors of those foods, they change our taste buds. And those are the exact foods that drive us to the insulin resistance and the chronic diseases that we see in today's, you know, obesity ridden world. And, you know, I was a big closet eater too, because I would have these feelings of just, you know, sadness and food was my comfort. And until I came to the realization of what those true problems were that I was comforting my food. It's just like the cream and the coffee in the morning. You hear these people that say, I just can't do it, Lisa. I can't not drink my coffee with cream in it, or, you know, have a little bit of coffee with all of my cream in it in the morning. And the bottom line is, is that you can do it. And you, you just have to retrain your brain and find out what is comforting you about that cream and the coffee in the morning. Why are you just comforted by a cup of cream and coffee? There's so many other things that you could be sipping on. And if you have to have your cream and your coffee, wait until your window opens and then get that satisfaction. It's about changing your mindset, committing to yourself and having that discipline because, you know, hope is not a strategy. You can sit around and hope that you're going to make a change in your life and you're going to hope that one day you're going to be motivated. But ultimately, your dedication has to be like more than your motivation, because otherwise, you're just going to sit there and hope that one day things change. And that's not how it goes. Yep. And let's get back to that. Rewrite your own story. I think that's, I'm going to put that in the title of this episode, because I love it. Rewrite your own story. And that's so true. And like you said, why let a beverage Get in the way of your health goals. I mean, all you've got to do is clean fast for a period of time. Your window opens. Hello, have your cream and your coffee. You know, do that. But while you're fasting, keep that insulin as low as possible. Just yesterday, I had this guy in the group and he's going, you know, I lost this weight and I've been dirty fasting. I said, well, we don't dirty fast in this group. That's the number one rule of joining here, you know. So it's if you don't like it, you know, you can leave. That's up to you. But, yeah. you know, here we do the clean fast. And if you can't do that one simple thing for yourself when you start intermittent fasting, well, you really need to work towards that because I've interviewed over 200 people on this podcast and I'm probably about 70 of them started off dirty fasting. And then once they made that transition through to the clean fast, they really realized how much easier their fast was, how less hungry they were, how less harder it was, and it just got better for them every single time. So when you're spiking your insulin, what happens is you'll have that cream in your coffee. Ten minutes later, your brain will be going, well, hey, where's the rest of my food? You know, mm-hmm. we've started now. We're, you know, we've had that spike. Now I want some more food. So you're tricking your yeah. brain into thinking that food's coming. So whatever you do out there, please clean fast. About what we're talking about there, just for Lisa – for people out there that may be you to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, I'll get you to explain just exactly what a clean fast is. Sure. Your clean fast is going to be your 
uh, still or sparkling unflavored water, your black coffee or your black or green tea. It has to be unflavored. And there's a lot of misconception around what the clean fast is. Um, and, you know, the motto is if you're second guessing whether it's clean or not, don't do it. Like, just don't, don't try to say, well, I think that my uh, zero calorie flavored choice, my flavored drink is a clean fast. It absolutely is not because that flavor is going to trick your brain that um, something is coming next. It's just like chewing gum. It flexes your jaw. It tells your brain that you're about to feed it, which can trigger hunger and have an insulin spike. Um, and it's, it's so important because if you think about it, your body, your insulin level goes down in, into ketosis and ab about 12 hours, right? It really is dependent upon people. And if your glycogen uh, stores have been emptied and how quickly they're being refilled, um, and your heavy ketosis can start, you know, 16, 19 hours and it's your fat is used for fuel in fat burning state rather than your glucose from your food, excuse me. And clean fasting minimizes that hunger, like you said, and maximizes that fat burn. And it keep, it's because you're keeping your insulin low. And that's exactly why you are having an easier fast. And if you clean fast, you're gonna burn your own fat. If you're putting cream in your coffee, then your body's gonna choose to burn that fuel that cream that you've added to your coffee not your own fat it's 100%. just yeah it's not it, it it's a waste you you need to let your body work on the inside because clean fast is where the magic happens well it is and also you need to give it that time to be able to get into that prime fat burning period and if you keep yep. spiking your insulin with things like bone broth and creamier coffee and bulletproof coffees and that sort of thing, and I can hear people out there saying, oh, I've done that and I lost 50 pounds. Well, that's great. Yep. But just to, just think about, you know, you're not getting the full benefits of this lifestyle when it comes Correct. to your health. And the more we can just go through that clean, fast, keep that insulin as low as possible. It's so important. But Lisa, I want to talk to you about, you know, transformation now for a minute, because in our Patreon um, members group and by the way if anybody out there listening to the podcast wants to come and join us in the patreon community and support the podcast you can do that the links in the show notes there we've had some great zoom meetings recently and we've talked about a lot of these things lisa was talking about we just did a break free from sugar audio series and we've got a topic coming up called conversations around transformation where i'm talking to people that have had dramatic transformations right and i'm just going to refer to some of your notes here and one of the things you said was that you call yourself a chaos coordinator with a demanding career, 36-year-old mother. So there for a start, right? Chaos coordinator. We'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. But one of the things you say after that is, I made it an absolute priority to look after myself, making that the priority. Just talk about that, making yourself the priority when there's a crazy world going on around you and how important that is to take that self-care and self-love for ourselves. Yeah, it's so important. I am a completely, even though I'm the same person, Graham, I am a completely different person than I was three and a half years ago. This journey has taught me that no matter what phase of life my body, my physical body is in, it deserves body positivity because no matter what, 
shape your body is or how small you are or how large you are, you're still going to always want more. You're going to want things to change about yourself. You know, we're always like just trying to be something different, aspiring to be a better version of ourselves. And if we can love ourselves along that journey, it's going to be a reflection, not just onto you, but onto others. And it's going to carry you further on your journey. So being committed to making myself a priority was really difficult during COVID because I lost the majority of my weight during the COVID shutdown. And I was worried about my family, my friends, not seeing people. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm an extrovert and, um, I was having going into the office and all of a sudden all of that changed, but I had to make myself a priority among all of the other things that I was worried about, because I realized really quickly that nobody else was going to do it for me. Right. And I had to have a mindset shift. It was a mindset mind shift uh, that was required if I wanted to accomplish something so difficult. And I had been obese my whole entire life. And if I was going to stay committed to this clean fasting lifestyle, I would really need to make a commitment to myself to push my timer on my app, my life app that held me accountable. And it came at times with an obsession of grit, Graham. I had to have that perseverance and passion for a long-term goal. And that was okay for a season, having that obsession. But I realized that obsessing over anything was not healthy. So I had to find ways to make it sustainable in my own life that over time, this lifestyle was going to become long-term. So I really needed to just sit down and make sure that my family understood that I was going to have time for myself. And if that meant going out on a walk, I wanted them to join me. And it was about setting that example so they could see a positive role model in mom. And hopefully all of us would start to make better lifestyle choices together. Um, you know, sadly, at times I had to cut off relationships that were not positive for me. Um, I had to cut off certain areas of my life that were not supportive for my growth. Um, and that was very empowering and it was very hard because I'm a nurturer, I'm a people pleaser. And in order to put myself first in this crazy life that we live in, I, I had to just basically schedule time for myself. I block off time on my calendar during the workday to make sure that I'm getting up out of my chair and going on walks. I'm making sure that I have those positive, positive mental breaks um, to where I can actually focus on myself and not others because you can't pour from an empty bucket. Um, and that's really hard for me, even like today, it's very, very busy. So I have to make sure that I get the time away with, you know, my girlfriends or my husband or I'm traveling places um, because it's really easy to focus everywhere else except for what's truly important for you. And you don't want to lose sight of what you've worked so hard on. And things can become very overwhelming very quickly. And I think we just need to pause and reflect on our goals and if you need to, along the way, rewrite your journey, like I, you know, continue to go back to, that's important. In November, I had the courage to 
leave my job of um, over seven years and uh, take on a new opportunity. And it was an opportunity that I thought about and prayed about a long time, talked about with my husband, because it was going to be a big commitment, um, not just time, but uh, you know, learning a new job is difficult in a really busy season of life, but it was important to me. And I would have never had that courage before, Graham. I would have never ever stood up for myself and um, you know promoted my own well-being if I didn't make that commitment to myself that I was going to be a better person than I was three and a half years ago. Yeah. I love what you said about getting toxic people out of your life too, because I think that's important. We all know those people, the soul crushers and the dream dashes. They just want to yeah. pull us down. You know, they're not supportive. They've got every argument under the sun why we shouldn't be doing things, but you know, they're not doing anything about their own health. So yeah. that's really important. And I always say to people, absorb what is useful, discard what is not. Because I if love you, that. Take, you take that all on board. Well, that's a quote from Bruce Lee, believe it or not. But, you know, I think it's really important to surround yourself with your greatest cheerleaders and have positive mm -hmm. people in your life. And when you're taking that time for yourself, there's 24 hours in a day. Everybody listening to this podcast, I want you to take 10 minutes of the day for you tomorrow and just think about how great you are, all the great things you've done in life, what a great person you are, how great you look going to work and wherever you're going, you know, and say to yourself really positive things, things like, you know, I've got nice hair. And it's not egotistical to say those things. It's putting yourself in a positive mindset and a positive frame of mind when you start your day. And if you start your day with really positive affirmations every single day, like I do, you'll get out of bed and you'll be much more positive about what the, is ahead in the day. And if you strike those people that are constantly putting you down, constantly crushing your soul, well, like Lisa said, hit the delete button on them because you don't need people like that around you because they're going to drag you down. And so, you know, those closest to you and those that love you the most, they will come around. They will support you when they see the yeah. results. And, you know, that's the thing when good friends can be well-intentioned and people we love, but we got to just work through that and not let them stop us from our health goals. But, you know, you mentioned the word commitment a lot. And I think one of the things with intermittent fasting is people are afraid of committing. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes when you start something like intermittent fasting and you've had this long history of dieting, the yo-yo dieting, that sort of thing, you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't know how I'm going to go on this because I've failed at every other thing I've done before. And I always say to people, I want you, if they come to me for mentoring or coaching, the first thing I'll say, have you got six or 12 months that you can commit to doing this? Because if you haven't, then I can't help you. Because unless yeah. you make a commitment to this and a commitment to yourself and write yourself a contract, this is going to be tough for you. And you're going to need yeah. to give it six to 12 months. Don't expect it to work in one week, two weeks, three weeks. Don't compare yourself to me. Don't compare yourself to Lisa. Just get out there and rewrite your own story. Yeah. I tell people all the time, Graham, I was like, you got to listen to Graham because uh, comparison is the thief of joy and you need to be committed to your own health. You need to be committed to your own health. Things are going to get stressful, but that doesn't mean you quit. Every single day that you go to sleep, you fast. Every single day that you wake up, there's an objective in the day and it's to get through it. And if you just push through and set yourself a goal, whether you're fasting 16 hours or you are fasting 24 
four hours or you are having a down day. Just wake up with intent. You can do hard things. What is it that you want to do today? I have days where I don't know how I'm going to juggle everything that is set for my schedule. And I have to really become intentional with myself about what is important for the day and what is going to actually get me through. And do you know the only thing that like is always a constant? Intermittent fasting always gets me through. It is my foundation. When I have eight and a half hours of meetings during my day that I need to get through, I generally will have a down day because those are my clearest days. My mental health is so clear when I am not eating during, during my meetings. And I think it's just important for people to sit back and realize that you only get one life and you truly need to commit to making your life the way that you want to live it. And get out and move your body the way that it deserves and give yourself the life that you deserve because life is short. Life is really short and we don't know when our last day is going to be, but you got to live it to the fullest. We can't sit around and wait on the next better day. You need to make today the best day that you can make it. Yeah. It's changing the I deserves to the you deserves. Like when you say, I deserve to go and get that treat. I deserve to have more food, even though I'm not hungry. I deserve this. I deserve that. We're a deserving society. But when you change that to, I deserve better health. I deserve longevity. I deserve to show up for my family every day. I deserve to show up for those people on Instagram like you do every day. And I open my Instagram in the morning and I'll see yourself. I'll see Michelle Montone constantly showing up for people and spreading the passion that you have for this lifestyle. And I think it's so fantastic that you're doing that because you have such a genuine belief in it. And you also have a genuine passion to share it with others because you've gone through one of the craziest transformations I think I've ever seen. And I say that, you know, and I know no disrespect to anybody that's gone through a big transformation, but yours is one of the craziest that I've seen because I've been following you for the last three and a half years. And I just think to myself, I can just see the joy coming out of you and that you can see how <laughs> joyful and you talked about you're a different person. And I know when people are obese, right. And you, you've heard me talk about how different I get treated now. And when I was an obese guy, I'd walk into a shop and it was like, I was invisible. Nobody wanted to know. Nobody wanted to serve the fat guy. Right. And that wasn't me being paranoid or just thinking about that. That was actually happening. Right. Or I'd get on the train and kids would be laughing at me and say, Hey mom, look at that fat guy. All those things. Yeah. That never happened again now. And so I say to people, and then they say to me, well, maybe when you're obese, you just had this aura and, you know, pushing people away and you weren't engaging and you're aloof and all that. And I said, no, people were just rude. They were mm-hmm. just rude. I don't know about you, but have you noticed a change in people's attitudes, how they treat you now compared to when you're obese, or maybe it wasn't as bad for you? Yeah, people are definitely more kind for me now. People will open the door for me now, whereas before it was like, just, oops, there she goes. Um, People have always really been encouraging of my journey, um, which has been really nice. But the amount of kindness that has been portrayed now, it saddens me actually to know that I went so many years of my life where people were so mean or just like I was non-existent, like you said. And I have these conversations with my son too, because kids are really mean. And 
I just try to use it as an example of learning and who you want to be. And that's part of the reason that I continue to share my journey and have such a passion for sharing the intermittent life, like fasting lifestyle, because it shouldn't matter the size of a person. It should matter the size of their heart. And I feel like intermittent fasting will bring a joy to anybody inside because it gives you a refound, a, a rekindled hope inside of you because it's giving you your life back one day at a time. Like I can't even stress to you how much longer I feel like my life is going to be just because I've given it so much health back. And I am so appreciative of that. And if I can just change that one person's life by sharing my story, the way that you have changed mine and Jen's book has changed mine, then I'm going to continue to share it for the rest of my life because the way doesn't magically stay off here. You know, I've had to learn to rewrite my book, learn to play the cards that I've been dealt with. Life isn't always easy. I've had to take a step back, look at my goals, you know, see what I need to delay when I need to delay alcohol because it doesn't serve a purpose in my life. When I need to stop mindlessly scrolling on my Facebook or my, um, you know, other social platforms, or when I need to relook at my sleep and, you know, it's just so important that we continue to spread joy because, you know, life is hard and it's hard for everybody. Nobody can deny that. And I, uh, don't ever want anybody to feel the way that I felt when I was so sad in my own obesity. And I hope that we can continue to watch intermittent fasting go, you know, mainstream. And it's definitely more mainstream now than it was three and a half years ago when I started this journey. But I don't ever want anybody to feel so non-existent in life. I hope we can continue to help change yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I agree with everything you've said. And you know, I know when I was obese, I was so unhappy all because of food, right? I mean, mm-hmm. other things in my life were okay. You know, love my kids, love my family, but I wasn't engaged. I just wasn't engaged yeah. because I was hiding from doing things that normal, fit, healthy people do, like you know, going to the school and going in the sack race or going in the parents' swimming races. You've heard me talk yeah. about this before. I really regret going through those years as an obese parent and, and when my kids are at school. And I always say to anybody that's young now, and that's why I love it when I see young people in their 20s that have been obese, that are getting more obese, actually stop and start doing something like intermittent fasting and change their life before it becomes decades of obesity. I think at the end of the day, this lifestyle will give you what you put into it. So mm-hmm. if you do things like the clean fast, like we talked about, Work towards that quality food in your eating window. Try to get all that sugar and rubbish out of your life because, okay, it might be okay short term, but long term, it's not going to do you any favors. And that's the problem. Short term fixes are not long term solutions when you have a weight problem or you have a problem with food. I I say that all the time. Moderation is not an option for people that have such bad food addiction. And, you know, you really need to stop and analyze, you know, seek help if you need to, you know, I have had to seek help over the years for other things, you know, mental health and for food addiction. And what is it that's that underlying, you know, factor. And I know today, like I was telling you earlier, 
that when I start to struggle with the moderation in my windows and things like that, I have to take a step back and reanalyze what I'm going to be doing for the next week because clearly something is starting to bother me and I need to reevaluate what is it that's going to work for me. And generally it's tightening up my window very tight because then I just know my window is closed. You are done eating and you can deal with whatever you're going through and you can make you know, work through those things without food, because food is not a way to work through your issues. Yep. And we say to people, know thyself. And when you yeah. know thyself, you can look for those signs you just talked about. And that's fabulous that you recognize that you're going on the slippery slope, right? So you nipped yep. it in the bud straight away and you shut the door on it. And that's yep. the best thing to do because when you let that get away, and it's like I say to people, they say to me, oh, you know, Graham, I never weigh myself. And I said, that's okay. I'm, you know, if you don't get into the scales, everybody's different. But for me, I weigh because I don't want to stand on the scale one day and find out I'm 15, 20 pounds heavier. Because we know we can wear clothes and maybe a bit snug on us, but we have no idea what our weight is unless we weigh ourselves, right? And I guess everybody has to work that out. What's your situation with Wayne? What's your mindset around that? So I don't weigh as much as I used to. Actually, Michelle encouraged me to stop weighing. I was encouraged by her. Um, I was a daily wearer before, so I was constantly taking averages. Um, and I used it primarily as a just a data reference point. And as long as you can look at it as just a data reference and look at trends, it's a really effective tool. But if it creates a mindset to where you see a number go a certain way and you're starting to like your body less or recognizing that there's a deeper mental connection to your scale, um, I think it's time to step away from the scale then. So I, I don't think I've weighed in the last three months. I have a pair of honesty pants with no stretch and that's how I gauge things. But I will get on the scale just as a sanity check, maybe once a quarter. Generally when I'm doing like uh, my rotations of ADF, because I, I just am in the habit of weighing on my down day. Um, that's something that I just kind of got used to over the years in my cycling of the ADF rotation. Um, I just don't feel like it's necessary right now because of this crazy, like, I say I'm a chaos coordinator, um, this crazy schedule of life that I'm in right now, my focus truly is just focusing on my nutrient dense food. And when I get to a point where I'm trying to chase those last 30 to 40 pounds, then I will definitely get back on the scale and, um, make sure that my markers are trending downwards. I've actually thought about considering getting a happy scale because I feel like the trends in the you know, colors are, would be really effective for me, but it's not something that I feel like I need to be stepping on the scale daily these days. I have really tried in the past, this past year to focus on my food intake. And I really want to really tune into my food choices. Um, and just making sure, and when I say I don't, I'm not a big sweets eater, so I consider myself lucky, but it's really making sure that I am getting the proper protein. Um, I have shared before that I lost a lot of my hair having lost so much weight and the protein intake really helps with that. Um, but I just want to feel my best. And that's right now focusing on what I put in my body and over how many hours I put food into my body. And that's where my focus is today. Yeah. And as I said, we're all an experiment of one. We all have to find our own mm -hmm. niche in life. And 
especially with an intermittent fasting lifestyle. And for me, it's just a case I'll wake up in the morning, I go to the toilet, I stand on the scale, look at it, and I go, yeah, okay, I'm in my range. That's cool. And yeah. away I go. You know, if I see myself getting up to the top of the range that I give myself, which is about six to eight pounds, then I'll say, okay, Graham, it's time to tighten things up a wee bit. And I'll do that for a couple of days. And then it's like a recalibration, you know, but like you said, yeah. if you're putting the right fuel in your body, and I always talk about the bad fuel and the good fuel. Bob and Ted got two cars. Bob puts good fuel in his, Ted puts bad fuel in his. Ted's car breaks down all the time. Bob's car goes like a dream. And that's exactly the analogy with our bodies. When we're putting that good food or good oil into ourselves, we feel great. And it makes us feel great. It makes our organs do a happy dance every day. And they go, yeah. Oh, it does. But when we start powering in the sugar and all the crappy food, and I'm not here to judge people that do that. If you're doing that, then if you love it, great. But hey, you know, I know the difference. I've not been there, done that, 40 years of it, closet eating, binge eating, you name it. I've done it all. And now I don't. I can tell you the difference. So you make your yeah. own mind up. But Lisa, I can't tell you how inspiring, again, you've been on this podcast. But just before I go, one last thing I wanted to mention was you talked about in your bio about body positivity. And I know for people that have gone through transformation, that's really important. So just touch on, on about body positivity for us. Sure. I just think it's so important that you wake up every morning and remind yourself of how beautiful you are as a person. You were made the way that you were intended to be made in this world. And, you know, you were given this life for a reason. And if you wake up and talk to yourself in a positive way, you're going to have that same energy in the way that you treat other people and the way that your family sees you. And if you are a parent, in my case specifically, not just my daughter, who I worry so bad about body positivity for her and body image, but also my son, who is at this critical age of adolescence where he's growing. Kids are so mean. And I just want him to see his own mom talk kindly to herself because I don't ever want him to feel the way that I felt for so many years about myself. I don't ever want him to feel that way about himself or my daughter when she grows up. And if we give ourselves those positive affirmations and we spend that time, you know, it's feeling, fueling our spirituality with good, um, just wonderful uh, things that fill our soul. That's the type of energy that we are going to let go of. And that's what I hope that everybody can focus on is just feeding yourself with a little bit of positivity so you can spark that joy within yourself because nobody else is going to be able to do that for you. Yeah, 100%. You know what? When I look at people's before and after photos and I look at yours, you're a beautiful person before and you're a beautiful person now, inside and out. And I see that in you. And I see it in everybody's photos. I look at the face-to-face -face on Fridays on, on the various groups. And I go, you know what? That person was beautiful before. They're beautiful now. And so, yeah. but we may be different persons in different ways, but we still were beautiful people on the inside, you know, that was yeah. waiting to get out and flourish. But as I said, Lisa, you've been so great and inspiring, but we're out of time now. But just before we go, please give us about three or four tips about how people can get started and what's the most important thing for them to consider when living an intermittent fasting lifestyle? Sure. So I just want everybody to remember that you can do hard things. 
it is definitely a commitment for life. Um, you know, as I mentioned, the weight is not going to stay off magically. It is a commitment that you will have to stick to and start small, start small. There are things that are called fasting muscles and you have to build them and you cannot reverse decades of poor habits and, um, you know, choices overnight. It is going to take work. It's going to take time and it is a commitment and just stay true to yourself and reevaluate along the way. You're going to have to uh, tweak it. You're going to have to change it. And your body is going to change with things that happen in life. As stress is, you know, th things are always going to be stressful. There's going to be terrible things that happen in life that you're going to have to work through and use intermittent fasting as a foundation that is going to keep you uh, grounded through life so you can continue to be the strongest and best version of yourself. Yeah. And just before I go, thank you for that, Lisa. That was fantastic. Great advice. I just wanted to give a big shout out to someone you mentioned in Michelle Montone, a fellow podcaster from the Fast and Fabulous podcast. Absolutely fantastic podcast. One of my favorites. So anybody looks looking for another podcast to listen to, go and listen to Michelle. She's great. And she's a very inspiring person and a good friend of mine. And a big shout out to her. And thank you, Lisa, for joining us here on the Fasting Highway today. Thank you, Graham. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to our continued journey on intermittent fasting together. We will indeed. Cheers. Bye. Oh, thank you, Lisa. That was wonderful to catch up with you again and see where you are now. Truly amazing. I've been following you now for over three and a half years on your Instagram and got to know you a bit through the Facebook groups and your transformation has been truly jaw-dropping and so incredible to follow and to see you grow and blossom into the person you are now has been incredible and you've become such a leader and voice in this community for others and you're helping so many so thank you again for joining us here on the fasting highway if you did enjoy lisa's story uh, and stories like that you hear on the podcast you might actually enjoy my own as well uh, you can find that in my book about my journey in the fasting highway uh, you can get that on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. Uh, if you are in New Zealand or Australia, you can actually get it direct from me at my website at www.thefastinghighway.com. And also, thank you to all our Patreon members. As you heard at the top of the show, without them, this podcast wouldn't exist. So go and have a look at that link in the show notes and join us. We'll be doing some work with Lisa and people like her uh, for our Patreon members in the next few months. So look out for that. But anyway, folks, until next week, be well, be safe, and remember, clean fasting is everlasting.